I said, oh, look at that. It's actually six o'clock, but did not notice that it was a week later. But it was my. (laughs) So you got everything wrong that day. I totally. It was a big mess. Well, listen, I think you can be forgiven because how many um, organizations are you involved in? Like 17? A couple. <laughs> We've got a couple. Yes. I actually am with uh, First Health Freedom Florida, which is our grassroots organization that uh, actually was created a little over eight years ago. So before the COVID narrative um, hit the world, we were out there knocking on the doors, trying to educate people about you know, hey, the risks associated while they talk about some benefits, there are risks associated with the vaccination process. And um, so, yeah, a little bit over eight years um, heading up that um, organization now. And then uh, Children's Health Defense. I run Children's Health Defense Florida's uh, chapter. So we also do a lot of educational things in that realm as well. And uh, just trying to help people understand that, again, our environment, everything that's happening and playing out for our children you know, we need to look at some of those environmental factors because if we don't, we know that the FDA isn't. We know that the pharmaceutical companies, the chemical companies, the food companies, all of these different genres of uh, big industry are not protecting our children. They're out for the dollar and it's up to us to be able to protect our children. You know, so um, we started off talking at the beginning here about you kind of being in this space for a long time. And I think people who are, who have been fighting this fight for a long time, <clears throat> excuse me, are kind of going through a moment now where they're kind of getting, you know, the, the movement is getting all kinds of recognition. Is it satisfying at this point to see so many people starting to wake up? Yes, and absolutely no. You know, because part of that wake up is because of the way in which the vaccination rollout happens in 2021, it was a mass vaccination program. So you got to see something that historically haven't been able to trend really well because all children get, you know, they're born at different times of the year. They get their shots at different times. So there wasn't really this one program that had everyone lining up. And unfortunately, you know, my heart breaks every single time I hear about another injured person or sadly somebody who's passed away from one of the injuries that they sustained. So we knew going into this one, I will tell you, I said, this is going to be one of the greatest opportunities that we've ever had because we are for the first time ever going to put the vaccination program on the global scale of observation. It, it was about to take place. But we also knew that that was going to come at a price for some people. And um, unfortunately, it did. So you're seeing the statistics. I don't know if you saw today that um, uh, the health department here in Florida, again, released an alert. Uh, Dr. Aladipo, our Surgeon General, released an alert that talks specifically about reinforcing that the specific age group where it's 19, I think, to 39, um, you know, that parameter they're showing within their, they pulled the VAERS database information from CDC and said, we've got over 1,700 adverse reactions within this spectrum with regards to this particular COVID shot. So he, they put out an alert to say, this is something serious and it needs to be looked at. But again, I also sit back and go, okay, well then after you've done that one, go to the HEP B. <laughs> 
because Hep B, if you think that this one hasn't been gotten the gold scale standard of testing five years plus seven, right, in its entirety as what it should be, um, check Hep B because that was five days. And uh, you know. well, so so this is the question that gets begged, right? I mean, if 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 the data behind these COVID injections aren't what they're purported to be, what other data falls into that category? Yep. I I think it's the Pandora's box that is going to be opened quite quite profoundly for a lot of people. You're seeing it. I'm I'm on social media a lot and you're definitely seeing now that it's specific, specifically the Twitter space because we can freely talk about it. I mean, we have over, you know, we have um uh, quite a few uh, on Health Freedom Florida, our social media pages, but we are shadow banned. We are censored. I mean, we have 11,000 people in our Facebook and I don't get a single like for any post that I make. So I know that they're not even getting shared. I know the feeling. Right. But Twitter, you know, the, the, the opening up the, hey, listen, this is a public square for debate and we want all sides heard in this public forum has been a real great thing to see. And you are now starting to see mass numbers of people responding and talking about since this, I'm I'm delaying and I'm gonna research pedi- pediatric shots. I don't wanna bring my child to the pediatrician to get shots. They're trying to push us into that direction of getting the shots or they're gonna fire us. Things like that are really starting to spill out into mainstream. and. I, and I'm very excited about because that bridge needs to happen. The bridge needs from COVID needs to go all the way over so that I'm, everyone understands. They, CDC, NIH, that didn't start with COVID. It is way back over here. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm always hopeful. And I think that uh, as they start to peel back that onion, they're going to get really deep into those layers. And they're really going to start to recognize that the collusion and the corruption that has been baked in for so many decades between the CDC, private entities, NIH, um, it's it's just going to be all uncovered. And sadly, unfortunately, um, you know, <laughs> I'll be happy the day that the CDC building gets, you know, the wrecking ball and, and it doesn't exist anymore because that's oh, really it's it's going to be it's going to be great to watch this whole thing crumble, both literally and figuratively. I heard you tell a story um during another interview kind of your origin story if we can call it that how you got involved in this space and i and i i find it really kind of unbelievable i wonder if you can share it with us here today because i think it's a story people need to hear okay sure yes uh my you know and i i i look to you know moms that were out there 30 something 40 something years ago and they're still in our movement and god bless them you know people like barbara low fisher dr tenpenny um mm-hmm. you know a dr humphreys like all of them for decades speaking out um, a baby in comparison to what you know they have gone through and uh but about 13 years ago and i apologize i have a puppy <laughs> we get a not lot supposed to be That's fine. <laughs> so sorry um but anyways, my son is uh, was vaccine injured a little over 13 years ago. And what happened in that instance is that I had a gut feeling. I had this mass gut feeling in my body that said, this is not right. And I, I just didn't feel comfortable with it. 
And so I kept going to the pediatrician and she kept really being very persistent. And it was really surrounding, like, you're putting him at risk. He, he could die. He, you know, and, and I just kept thinking, I, you know, I, this does not feel like the way to health. And I kept putting, putting it off, putting it off. And um, I started asking family and friends like this, you know, I'm really concerned because it, it just seems crazy. I don't understand this because actually I wasn't. So for me, I wasn't indoctrinated. And so I just couldn't really get my arms wrapped around it. But every direction I went, it was, don't be crazy. Go get the shots. You know, my family, and of course you heard the, the polio story. Well, you know, I think people started to look at it. They'd find, you know, thousands and thousands of children died <laughs> right, um, right. during that vaccination <laughs> process. But I, I was constantly be told to ignore my gut and to, you know, follow what the doctor said. And, you know, they're the expert. So I, 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 I succumbed to doing that in, um, unfortunately, what happened was he suffered multiple strokes. So he was, uh, people asked which one, and I would say, well, take your pick. Because they, uh, once they knew the door was opened, they went in with all the shots that they could. And he received um, way too many, uh, which would be one too many was too many. <laughs> but How old was he at this time? Yes, he was uh, just under three years old. So he, um, yes, he he suffered a great deal, um, had a multiple strokes. Uh, and since that day, you know, it just, it eviscerated his body. It, it just completely took hold of every different angle that they could. I was like compared to people to a car accident because people are like, well, I got the shot nothing happened. Right. And I'm like, but, but biology, biology means that we're all different. We're all unique. And what can impact you in one way might impact somebody else in a more severe way. And that's the one thing they can't tell you. They can't tell you who it will impact negatively, but they know uncontested. They know some people will die. They know some people will suffer strokes, seizures, to name just a few of those adverse reactions that they've had to document because they took place during the vaccination process and doing those studies. But they can't tell you who's going to be impacted. They can't even tell you why somebody would be impacted in such a horrific way. And they can't tell you when. So those are three important things as a parent. I wasn't aware of that. They can't tell you those things. They just give you the 10 reasons why you should. Mm. And um, he, to this day, I mean, we've done a lot of different healing modalities. I stepped outside of the white coat process many years ago, and I've done a lot of different healing modalities. Uh, but we were told very early on, he would never speak. He will never function. He will be um, so so violently um, injured, self-injurious to himself that he'll be on medications and eventually institutionalized. Uh, that was the outcome that we had for him. And we got a call from the pediatrician that said, "I'm so sorry. He's one in a million." And uh, it was it was it was pretty horrific. Thirteen years later, again, some healing modalities have taken place. He still needs. Uh, 24-7 care, but our goal is, is to always just keep looking forward. We're climbing the mountain. We're not looking at how long it's going to take us to get there, but uh, we're working on his recovery as we speak. You speak very profoundly about um, 
you know, people like to be uh, labeled or people like to label people who are, you know, waving the kind of this flag of caution as anti-vaxxers. And you speak rather profoundly about wearing that as a badge of honor. I do. I really do. I'm very proud of it. I think they took that word and they tried to spin it into such a negative perspective that it frightens people. Mm. It doesn't frighten me. I am I am absolutely proud to say that because unfortunately I did sacrifice one of my children right to that process. And then from that moment on, I've researched so much about the CDC, the vaccinations in themselves, the the poor testing that they've done against all of these vaccinations, the the actual non-existent existing testing that they've not done. I mean, that combined childhood schedule has never even been tested for safety, never. And yet, you know, it's the CDC pushes that out there without any data to back up that it is safe to do that in that manner. Um, So I've done all the research and I will talk to anybody anywhere, whether there's support or not support. And I say, yeah, I'm anti-vax. And a lot of people will join me once they've done that research. And I think we're getting a lot of different people to join us now. I'm I'm for, you know, everyone making their own choices for their family and for themselves. And by the way, it should be a private medical decision. It shouldn't be a banner on someone's social media. And it shouldn't be something that I have to provide to an employer so that I can go and work in their, you know, work for them. I, I either I work for you to help you sell your products and services. That's where our relationship begins and ends. And unfortunately, through this last two and a half, three years, that has significantly changed. So yes, I'm I'm proud to say I'm anti-vaxxer. I am okay with anybody else who makes a different choice. But um, I think once you really start to learn the data, you understand that there really isn't anything that would really constitute somebody making the decision that the benefits outweigh the risks. Because as you've seen, and I think when you look at COVID was a perfect example, but it's applicable to a lot of different vaccines. Number one, there really was no efficacy. And number two, they really didn't have any real true safety. You could still shed and you could still spread, right? So at the end of the day, when you look at the the, uh, statistical data on all the other vaccines, you'll start to see that as well. There isn't a high efficacy. We know that from the flu shot, right? And we mm. know that the flu shot is the second leading COVID, of course, the COVID vaccines have, have superseded this, but the flu shots are the second leading uh, number one uh, VAERS reported, and that's the vaccine adverse events reporting system. Uh, that's the number one after the COVID shots. Um, not only are they unsafe, they're not even effective. I think it's like one year, it was like 13% efficacy they claimed. <laughs> Tell us about tell us about this connection between um, vaccines and a rapidly rising autism rate in the population. Right, absolutely. You mean the the coincidence that doesn't? What did they say? Correlation doesn't equal causation, and, right. and that's a been a very big marketing tagline that the CDC has used for a number of years. What's what's really fascinating is when you start to understand. Even the CDC members have gone before Congress and have admitted that they have not done the necessary safety studies to out to rule out that autism is not a direct result of the vaccination process. If you think about it in reality, what happens is your vaccinations can cause encephalopathy. That is 
inflammation of the brain, right? It is a brain injury. Um, autism is a medical diagnosis. It is, it is not a different type of person. It is a medical diagnosis of a brain that is not functioning in the way it sh should be a brain injury. Um, so we do know that in 20, I think it was 20, 20, 20 2002 or to 2005, they, uh, 2005, sorry, 2002 to 2005. I do that all they, the time. <laughs> oh my God, it was, it's been so long ago, right? I do that all the time. So we, they, they decided, the CDC said, we're going to do a study to put this to rest if the MMR is causing autism. So they went and they started to do the tests. They looked at the data and they collected it and they went to Georgia to do this. And then they looked at the data and they went, Ooh, hold on. Wait a minute. This is massive. They had shown in uh, black boys that received the MMR, a 336% spike in autism diagnoses. Significant. So then they went 30%. That's more than tripled. And then they said, this is not good. So then they said, what do we do? So they went into a room and they said that with the CDC director and said, okay, how do we, how do we, let's see, let's splice the data. So then they removed kids that didn't have, I think it was a birth certificate. Like if they're not have a birth certificate in Georgia, then we're going to pull them out. So then they started to move the data around to create the outcome that they sought. Right. And ultimately, um, a CDC, one of the lead scientists on the study. Now, this was supposed to be a simple childhood vaccine study that was supposed to take six months. It took almost four years for them to actually release the data. And then you had the CDC, the CDC um, lead scientists come and have um, became a whistleblower with the fact that he said that they we were told to bring all of our data into a meeting room and put it in a trash can and they lit it on fire. This is huge. You would have thought it would have been on every mainstream. There's nothing suspicious about that at all. Not at all. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was Congressman Posey when he brought this to the attention of Congress in 2015, he brought a trash can in into the chambers and said, this is what they did. But this particular CDC scientist knew what they were doing was unethical. He knew it was wrong and he kept copies of everything. And that vote, that data ended up being shared and they had third party scientists come in and evaluate it. And they ended up with, you know, realizing that this was way worse than what we could have ever predicted. And there was a, supposed to be an inquiry. Um, it was uh, Congressman Chavez was supposed to do that inquiry and uh, even under immense pressure from thousands and thousands of parents, they never called him to testify. Mm. It was a real shame. But it's, it, look, it, parents say it, they say it across the country. This is one of the things that I did when, when people really started to figure out social media and we created connections um, back in you know 2013 and 2012 and then all the way up through 2014 and 2016, you really started to like, I would read post after post after post. And it was almost like identical parental stories. My child was, you know, fully functioning, meeting all the milestones. 
and then collapse after the vaccinations hit, you know, regress, regressive autism. And everyone's story was, and then it was, in, you know, severe ear infections, um, you know, constantly sick, things like that. There were so many different aspects that were identical. It, it was not, um, you know, there, there was a specific pattern. And it was just, it's really tough when I see those things because these parents were literally thinking they were like, like me, I'm one in a million. And um, they didn't know that there were others out there. So that social media aspect was really beneficial for us. One, to find our, our community, right, for a multitude of different reasons, because um, we're shunned from society. But right. uh, at the end of the day, collectively, if, if, if they were to really do a vaccinated versus unvaccinated study, and I'm praying the state of Florida does this, um, we would be in a really um, different space right now to be able to educate people effectively. Because at, at the end of the day, it's risk versus benefit. And if you're being sold benefits There's only- There's no other way to look at it. There isn't. And way I assess risk is gonna be different than you might, right? And I think that that's where you associate a specific medical process or procedure that has known um, causes that could cause death. And again, like I said, stroke and seizure and whatnot, um, epilepsy, it, it, you know, diabetes is another one. I mean, cancer is another one. When you have those types of things and you can really look at that data, I honestly think people would, you'd see a shift in the percentages of people that were vaccinating their children. Um, but again, they don't have true informed consent. And that's why I think this vax versus unvax study would be really powerful. And by the way, we have the data. It's not like it's not out there. It's available. It's in the Medicare system. And, uh, you know, you could certainly get a grant to a, to a, a, a college, third party college that could just do an assessment on that data. It'd be a great project, <laughs> it but I think it would. I think it would actually take the bulldozer down um, the CDC halls because <laughs> they don't want that study. No, I would imagine not. You know, one of the more insidious things that we've been living with over the last couple of, of years, the CDC guidelines are, are one thing. But the thing that I find really harmful is this mass coercion campaign that's been going on over the last couple of years, right? You can't go to a restaurant unless you're vaccinated. You can't go to a concert unless you, you can't go to college unless you're vaccinated. Um, tell us about vaxbully.com because, because this goes to the heart of, of that coercion campaign. Thank you. Yes. We realized that, you know, it's stories are powerful, right? Years ago, there was a wonderful campaign that somebody had done and it was regarding, you know, vaccine injured children. And, uh, it was very compelling, and it also created the thread that this is more pervasive than you actually think it is, right? And that's what I thought, holy smokes, we need to have stories starting to be collected. Not stories about the vaccine injured on it, but also stories of discrimination. Because what we went from, you know, 10 years ago, I was uh, kicked out of a pediatrician's office for not vaccinating my other son. I went in because, you know, in the school, you needed a, um, a health form filled out for him to be able to play sports. I had left that world 
a long time ago, scheduled an appointment, went in, and she, the nurse came in, and she was immediately shocked. Oh, my gosh, we've got to get him vaccines. And I was like, no, I'm here for you to fill out his height and weight for this form. And she said, no, 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 we can't do that until we get him shots. And I said, no, we're not doing that. And I think, too, as as, a, as mothers, like we're taught to be kind, we're taught to be cordial. Um, I think, you know, definitely something, you know, something that mama bear, because I knew it, knew what I knew and what I was experiencing day to day with my injured child, mm. that I realized I don't have to tell them or give an excuse or placate them in some way. Or You don't have to explain yourself. No means no. You know, I'm mom, no means no. And you need to respect that decision. And I think that really surprised her because she was waiting for me almost to become like to give my reasoning. Mm. Oh, because I saw this study, right? Or I heard this story or, and I, my response was just, no, you're, you're going to sign that form right here for my son and we're going to leave. And she left, she came back in, she had the form signed and she said, you need to leave our practice right now. And I said, well, thank you very much for your time. She said, oh no, you don't go this way. She took us to the back door, me and my eight-year-old son to the back door, opened the door into the woods and said, we don't want you going past our patients. And I was like, okay. So I walked out the back door, we walked around the building. I told my son, you hold your head up high, right? Because we held the line and this was the right thing to do. That's one of the most obnoxious things I've ever heard. It was horrible. It was horrible at the time. And I was sad for my son, but I also thought it was a great teaching moment Yeah. because you, you, you know, that was a bully. That was somebody that thought that they could coerce me into doing something that I knew already was nothing that I was ever going to do. And um, yeah, it was really, it was really disappointing. Two days later, we received a certified letter in the mail and they were very careful on how they worded it, but they said, it is clear that you and we do not see how to achieve health for your children in the same way. And therefore you're no longer welcome in our practice. Oh, no, I'm sure you were heartbroken. Yeah. But, but that was really the premise of just what discrimination was happening. Mm -hmm. And then of course now add in, right. So we face that in the medical community constantly, right. That was always there. Now all of a sudden you seeing it, you know, permeate into your entire realm of living. We were getting calls from people whose parents were getting kicked out of the nursing homes, not for COVID, but for the monococcal, not taking the monococcal vaccination. Um, and then we got calls, of course, for the COVID one. And uh, we got kids out of colleges. And, you know, we had to tell the parents, sorry, but yes, they actually have the ability to do that. And they were like, wait, I... I thought that, you know, we were protected and it was no, you're, you know, your child is in college and you have to follow their protocols, unfortunately, or find a college that's in alignment with what you want for your child. And that's very difficult to do when you've already, you know, moved somebody into a college dorm and they're being stuck in their room while they're watching all of their friends walk by. It, it, It was tragic. So many different instances of that. We had somebody here who's, was on the liver, he was on the transplant. I don't know if it was liver, but he was on the transplant list. And uh, he was not, he was not, he was kicked off of it or he was not allowed to be on it because of his vaccination status. 
this, we have so many stories. There's obviously, you know, about the employment ones. Those that that was, I mean, we the the poor Disney employees. The uh, there were there were employees in Jacksonville that were told there were porta potties in the back of the building for anybody unvaccinated. That's where you had to go use the bathroom. Mm. Um, it, you know, the stories are endless. It's, it's, it's a, when it's I read them, it breaks my heart. It's an it intimidation is. campaign. It is absolutely this. And by the way, I mean, we know Biden knew what was what he was doing was weaponizing OSHA against businesses, having them do the dirty work. And at the end of the day, you know what it it, it led to so many different people yeah. succumbing and then getting, you know, the shot only to keep their jobs. And that in itself is just it's such a human human rights violation in so many different ways. Um, you know, you're, you're, you've completely lost your body sovereignty all because you need to earn money to take care of your family. It, it's, it's horrific. Horrific. We were talking about um, Florida when we got on and you guys have a bill in the works that would codify um, anti-discrimination rules and regulations laws. Um you know, against this, this kind of thing. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So that's the tie-in to Vax Bully, because what we realized, one of the things to do when you talk to legislators, you've got to educate them that this is a serious issue, that it's a pervasive issue, and it's impacting Floridians in, in, in you know, significant ways. And so that part of Vax Bully, that's helping us go and present those, those folks to the legislators so they can actually see it is happening here in our state and we need to do something to protect Floridians from this type of discrimination. So yes, we have, we've been working on this for a number of years. <laughs> and yeah. the first time we brought right. this bill, this is now going almost four years ago, mm. the Senator that actually ran the bill, he ran pieces of it previously, but ran the bill for us this time. Back then we joke about it because he said, his words were, Mo, that's crazy. Nobody would ever mandate a vaccine. <laughs> and I said, it's coming. I'm looking at my crystal ball and it's coming. And lo and behold, you know, several years later, we actually, one of the things that we had done um, previously, just so you have a point of reference, was we had pushed some legislation in to prevent employers from mandating the vaccines. Unfortunately, that bill didn't move forward, but a piece of the bill did, which was the vaccine passport ban bill, mm. um, which became law in April of 2021. So that really helped alleviate some of the things that were transpiring in our state for people who were being impacted in negative ways. So this time we call it the full Monty where we're going in and this is to an all encompassing bill that will truly create medical freedom here in the state of Florida. And it's going to be historic. The first thing it does. And I think the most profound thing is that we are going into the civil rights statute and we're opening up that 1992 law and we're going to add vaccination immunity status to the civil rights statute here in Florida. And that will be the beacon of absolute medical freedom for the globe to set pace with it's huge um, it's huge it is very it's very big and i i believe we've got one we've got co-sponsors on the bills right now which are really important number two one of the things that unfortunately we lost this fight a few years ago and this is where i when i started to pay real big attention to um 
uh, legislation was HB 213 was a bill, was a tracking bill, and it passed. So anybody in Florida whose doctor participates in Florida shots, your private medical data is being uploaded into the Florida state tracking, vaccination tracking database. Mm -hmm. Okay. In 2021, in January 21, our former Surgeon General, Scott Rivkes, signed over that tracking database to the federal government. Now, I'm no, I'm no fan of the former Surgeon General. I love the current one, but I will tell you that it was it it, beca- it was required for them to get access to the COVID shots. If you remember, the federal government was controlling the distribution of the COVID shots. Right. So, in order for the state of Florida to get them, they actually had to hand over our database. So that was kicked over to the federal government. What our bill does is puts a big wall up. It says, no, you cannot share our data. You cannot share this data with the federal government. Um, it also requires, you know, informed consent in writing for people to be in there to be tracked. How so is that not another, a violation of HIPAA, by the way? They make such a big deal yeah. out of HIPAA. Well, yes. Unfortunately, they sold us in the media on what HIPAA really, what, what HIPAA was perceived to be. Mm. But in fact, it was quite the opposite. So HIPAA isn't even a privacy act. It's a portability act. So the P is in privacy, it's portability. But mm. perceptionally, they sold it as privacy. What it actually does is it says, hey, we're going to give you access. You're, we're going to sign this form that says, I agree that I'm going to transfer this information elsewhere. So it's it's a real shame. Um, and, and the problem with it is, is that denial of it remains, means that they can refuse you care, right? I mean, you saw it. I mean, it was on Jimmy Kimmel where they were saying, we shouldn't care. We should, if somebody comes in and they weren't vaccinated and they're sick, they should not be treated and cared for. I mean, that mentality frightens me on so many different levels for the future of our children, for people thinking that's an acceptable thing to do to somebody mm-hmm. um, is horrific in itself. And you had the media perpetuating that. So ultimately what we want to do is, is we want to get our, our private medical data back to being private. And this is just a step in the right direction to do that. And it absolutely prevents the federal government. A lot of people don't know the federal government passed a bill into law for funding the actual infrastructure build out of a federal vaccination tracking state database that links all the state state tracking databases into the federal government, of which we know is going to funnel right up to the who. Right. So we're looking at that globalization of the tracking of surveillance of the social credit system. I mean, that's that path. So that was our effort to stop that. And go ahead. No, I was just, I was, I was just going to say, I think that's that I think the real magic here is that it's going to serve as a, an example and a precedent for all other States and indeed all other countries. 100%, 100%. And I, I think we'll start to see, uh, you know, once it hits Florida, we're going to see that cascade into a lot of different states um, when it does pass. It's tra- It's pre- it also, by the way, just so you know, the vaccine passport ban um, law will be cemented. So right now it's actually underneath a state of emergency. So now this will become permanent where you cannot start with vaccine tracking um, software. You can't be held to a passport to be able to, to to get services, to participate in society, to get employment and things of that nature. And then the, the um, 
one other piece that I do like to speak of is, is going back to that body sovereignty, right? It's civil rights, but it's also very much human rights. Um, we should not have to be subjected to any type of injection in order to be able to walk amongst society. And that's that's just a just as powerful as it is a civil rights bill as a human rights bill as well. You know, our our we have a mutual friend, Nick Catarano, who's a Disney employee yes. who got involved against uh the the COVID injections as well. And he was involved in a round table uh, a couple of months ago now, I believe, with Governor DeSantis. I believe you were involved in it as well. And that round table brought together kind of a who's who in the patients' rights movement, at least as it pertains to these COVID injections. And I thought it was great. I thought it was something that was really, really needed. But then towards the end of the round table, I heard something that kind of made me cringe a little bit. I thought I heard a couple of the panelists equivocate a little bit and say things like, well, you know, the mRNA technology is really great. They've just gone about it in the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I heard that and it kind of hit me very strange. And soon after Nick texted me and he said, you've got to speak to Maureen about this because a year ago she told me, she said, watch Nick, they're going to scuttle the COVID vaccines so they can save the mRNA and the rest of the vaccine yes. schedule. I want you to tell us a little bit about that in the few minutes that we have left here, because you spoke a second ago about looking into your crystal ball. (laughs) What is what is your crystal ball tell you about this? Because I think that's I think that's spot on. Something kind of hit me as, yep, that's exactly what they're going to do when I heard that. It 100 percent. It is so funny because I did look in the crystal ball and I said and I knew it. I knew it 18 months ago that this was going to be so catastrophically horrible outcome for them. And I'm talking about big pharma Mm -hmm. and CDC and NIH. Uh, I knew the way in which they were doing this. Again, this was not periodic vaccinations, different times of year, different people. You know what I'm saying? So it was. It was, this was a mass vaccination that was going to clearly show just how dangerous vaccines truly are. Mm. And I said, this thing is going to collapse and it's going to collapse in such a negative way. They'll make their money. And they did. I think it was 60 some odd billion dollars that they made off of the, off of our tax dollars for this deployment of these, of these vaccines. But that it's so colossal and it's going to be so bad that they will realize that they cannot throw the baby with, out with the bathwater, as they say, right? Mm-hmm. And somehow, some way, they're going to pivot and they're going to specifically section off the mRNAs and they're going to exclude the word vaccines because what they're going to start to see is a dwindling happening within the CDC scheduling of the shots for the children and people starting to make questions, people starting to do research. Do you know the research that was available on the Internet 20 years ago or 15 years ago is no lot like links I've sent to people is no longer available. They're dead links. Mm-hmm. They have we are living in China and people don't even know it. Mm. Right. They're they're created the messages. They realized that they had, you know, opened up a plethora of availability for us to educate ourselves in a unique way through the Internet. And then they said, oops, we made them too smart. Now we got to shut it down. <laughs> but I digress there. But right. at the, but 
absolutely that's what you're seeing. That was that pivot that happened with those doctors. And it was disheartening. I was excited. Absolutely, our governor's doing the right thing, opening inquiry. You had our wonderful Dr. Latipo there as well, talking about the importance of getting the data so that they can show exactly what is transpiring and happening with these particular shots. But at the end of the day, um, the conversation should have remained that why are we why are we not understanding this is not the first time that they have done this. This is this is exactly how they actually deploy their vaccines. If they even say it's post post um, gosh, sorry, I'm drawing a blank, but it's called post deployment analysis. Mm. So that's how they get around the testing. Well, we're going to continue testing after it's been released to the public. And that they've been doing that for decades. It's an experiment. It's an experiment. And it's an experiment. And I guess I'm going to end with the most important part of that is that it doesn't matter if they're mRNA. It doesn't matter if they're your traditional uh, vaccines. Every single one of them comes with a risk. Mm. And those risks can be pretty severe for some people. They can't tell you who those people are. They can't tell you why it happens to those people. And they can't tell you when. So with those things unknown, it should always and forever be a choice. And with the fact that there is no 100% safe vaccine or 100% effective vaccine. You can say safe and effective. It was a very powerful marketing campaign for a very long time, but it was just that. It was marketing. I think that's I think that's an excellent point. Um this conversation was was every bit as fascinating as I as I thought it was going to be. Um, please tell the folks where they can find you online, Mo, and where they can uh, keep track of you and all your great work. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. We are encouraging everyone to do a couple of things. Go to www.vaxbully.com and it's V-A-X-B-U-L-L-Y.com and share your story. Share your story of discrimination. Share your story of injury because every single one of your stories matters and each one of those are going to be used to make the change that we need to see within the legislative offices to ensure that that bill passes. Secondly, um, we are healthfreedomflorida.com and uh, we are chdflorida.com. <laughs> but also, I would say the next best thing that we're asking for people to do um, for taking action is going to what's called standforhealthfreedom.com. That's a partner of ours that has a digital advocacy portal. And we've, uh, myself and Bailey, my partner in this whole thing, she's phenomenal. We've created... Um, you you go into take action and then you go to the state of Florida or whatever state you're in, click on it and you'll see there are actual things that you can do. You can click on it and you can write a letter to your legislators. So your state house rep or your state senator. And we have actually crafted the language. It, it really is a, a great simple tool that enables people very quickly and effectively to communicate with their legislators. So we've got a couple of them up there right now, and we'd love to start seeing people just pour into the, to the legislators, letting them know how important this bill is to pass. It's called the, it's, it's, and by the way, I don't know if you know, it's aptly called the protect um, the protection of medical freedom act. That's what it's all about. The protection of medical freedom and your choice to decide what goes into your body and the body of your family members. That it's it's not any more complicated than that, I don't think. 
we need that we need that pe- pendulum to swing back and create the privacies that should have always remained in place that somehow some way got normalized to be sharing private medical information it's not necessary nor is it needed that's why we're grateful you're on the job thanks for coming by Ma. please come back real soon thank you so much for having me <laughs>